Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. It would be very obvious to us right now as we study your word, as we continue in a spirit of worship. I pray you would open our eyes to the truth of who the Holy Spirit is this morning in Romans chapter 8. Father, I pray you would open our eyes to the power of the Spirit working in our lives, Lord, the significance of what that means, why that's important, why it matters. And Father, I pray that as we study and as we understand, we would be changed and equipped and challenged and transformed. And Fathers, we pray every Sunday morning through the power of the Spirit that we would be transformed more and more into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in His name that we pray. Take your Bibles this morning and open to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. We are continuing our study this morning entitled Defining Us, Connect, Grow, Serve. It's a vision of who we want to be. It's a vision statement. It's a challenge for our people that are here. It's a challenge for new people that come to understand kind of what we are as a church and the direction we want you to go. And so we've given you just a real clear vision statement that we've been repeating the last several weeks as we go through this sermon series. We want you to understand it and know it and really to to live by it, to apply it to your life. It kind of becomes the heartbeat of who we are as a church. And so I want to show it to you again this morning. We want you to connect to Jesus and his church, grow in faith and understanding of God's word, and serve Jesus here and around the world. And so we're preaching through this. This is the sermon series we started several weeks ago. I took the first five weeks and talked about connecting to Jesus and his church. The last few weeks have been about growing in faith and understanding of God's word. And last week we talked about the importance of prayer. And by the way, was, was last week an incredible service or what? Amazing. If you missed it, I'm sorry you missed it. It was one of the better ones we've ever had. I had several people say to me, one of the better services they've ever attended because the power of the Lord was present. Obviously, we spent great amounts of time in prayer. And I, I'm, I'm the guy who's um, real particular about schedules and timing. That's just my personality. Sometimes it drives my family crazy, but I'm the guy in the morning that says, you know, we're leaving in 15 minutes, we're leaving in 10 minutes, we're leaving in 5 minutes, we're leaving now. That's my personality. That drives people crazy sometimes, but that's just how I operate. And so we have to be very succinct in our services because with three services and preschool and children and students and parking and exiting the building, and there's just a lot of moving parts. And if we go over schedule a little bit, it throws kind of other ministries out of whack and it can be a problem. And so I I always try to just keep us on schedule. Last week, uh, the Spirit reminded me sometimes his schedule is not my schedule. And praise the Lord for that, by the way. His ways are not our ways. It's funny, the 11 o'clock service, they always put a timer up for me, and it's up there now, praise the Lord. So I kind of know how much longer I've got. At the 11 o'clock service, we started like 20 minutes late. I mean, we were 20 minutes late starting so I'm panicking already. I'm sweating, you know. I'm trying to calm myself down because I know y'all got to get to San Marcos before the buffet closes, and everybody's going to be mad if you don't. And so I get that. And so I'm just, you know, work. so I look back at the clock right before I'm starting to preach, and it wasn't up there. And I'm like, oh, man, come on. So I almost got out, and I was walking back, and I was, I was about to walk back. It's like the Spirit was just saying, Adam, just cool it, man. Just relax. It's okay if we're over a little bit because the presence of the Lord is here 
and we're in prayer. And man, I just thought it was phenomenal. All three services last week. In fact, we talked as a team this week. It was so good. We need to do that more often. We really need to focus on that and that become kind of a regular thing for us. And, and I hope you were so encouraged by it that you left the service and went and signed up for the prayer team because we want as many people as possible to be on that prayer team. In fact, we got the little sheet here and you can grab one out front this morning if you want to pray without ceasing. We're not asking you to stand in front of the congregation and pray. I'm not going to call on you to uh, pray before the offering unless you want me to. This is really behind the scenes kind of deal. We need people praying during our services. We need people praying on Wednesday nights. And so if you want to kind of be behind the scenes, nobody even knows you're on the team. Uh, you don't have to do anything out in front of people. This could be the ministry for you. So walk out to our Connect desk as soon as this service is over. Sign up for the prayer team. Be a part of that. We'd love to have you. Now, we've been talking about growing in our faith and understanding of God's Word. And so I've challenged our church during this middle section to learn some memory verses, to learn some scripture, to commit some things to memory. And I haven't given you just a, a freedom to choose your own. I wanted to do kind of a, a, a one passage together as a church. And so just a reminder, we're challenging everybody in our church uh, to memorize John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. Okay, that's a lot. If this is the first you've heard of that, I'm excited that you're nervous about it. I think that's a good thing. It's always good to be challenged in our faith, and the goal is to memorize that. And on our Christmas Eve service, we're going to recite that out loud together without the screen on, without any cheat sheets. We're just going to know it from memory. And so I've been encouraging you every week. We've been working on it individually and as a family every couple of nights or so. We'll read it and talk about it. And then I've been doing it on Sunday mornings with you as well to challenge you a little bit and to practice. Now, I've done John 1, 1 through 5. I'm going to do that one more week, okay? This is the last week we're going to be in the first five verses. Starting next week, we're going to start on verse 6 through 10. Okay, so if you haven't memorized the first five verses, now you've got to get on it this week so you're not behind by next week. So let's pull that scripture up if you would. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. We're going to say it together as a congregation. If you can say it without looking, do that. If you need to look a little bit, that's fine as well. But we want you to learn this and commit it to memory so by Christmas Eve you can say the whole thing without looking at any scripture. Okay, so John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. You ready? Let's say it together. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Through, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Okay, go to the next slide. Boom, there it is. Look at that, love it. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Here we go. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Okay, good. Hope you're there. Hope you know it. Hope you're committing it to memory. Continue to work on it. We're going to keep doing it. Continue to be challenged as a church. Now, Romans chapter 8. I want to start with a little illustration I want you to understand this morning. And hopefully this will help you understand kind of where we're going in this passage of Scripture. This, of course, is a light bulb. 
Now, if you're like me, I'm a little frustrated with light bulbs nowadays because you can't buy a dollar light bulb anymore. They're like five or six dollars. They're LED, supposedly. They're going to last for like 9.3 years. That's what the little package says. And this is how my brain works. Uh, I don't believe they're going to really last for 9.3 years. And so I take pictures now. Every time I install a light bulb on my phone and I date it. And I'm curious to see how long these things really last. Ain't no way this bulb's lasting nine years. In about six months, it'll blow out, and I'll go spend another $9 for a bulb. But that's where we are light bulbs today, right? Light bulbs are great. We need them. They're in every facet of our life. We're using them now. You use them when you go home this afternoon and this evening in our cars at work. But this light bulb, as neat as it is, is useless without what? What do I need with this light bulb? Say it. Electricity. I need a power source, don't I? Now, I could do a lot of things with this bulb. I, I could throw it. You know, we could act like there's a football in here. I could use it for decoration. I could probably prop it against the door, maybe to hold a small door open. But if I don't have electricity for this bulb, it ceases to exist in the way it was designed to exist. It could do a lot of other things, but it's never going to function as an actual light bulb without electricity, okay? What electricity is to the light bulb... The Holy Spirit is to the church. If we don't have the power of the Holy Spirit working in our church, working in your life individually, the life of your family, if we don't have the Holy Spirit working in the church, then we're never going to be who we're designed to be. We're never going to accomplish what we've been designed to accomplish. We can be a lot of things as a church. We can be a social club. We can be a place where we come and sing a lot of songs. We can be a place where we get together in groups and have good conversation and good discussions. We can do all of those things, but if the Spirit hasn't kind of flooded into our hearts, if we're not being led by the Spirit, if we're not seeking the power of the Spirit, then we're never going to actually function the way we've been designed to function. And so I want to think this morning, as we think through this idea of growing in faith and understanding of God's Word, I want to think about being led by the Spirit. Because a big part of our growth in Christ, a big part of our faith in Christ, a big part of what He wants us to accomplish in our life is through the power of the Spirit working in our life to lead us, to guide us, and to direct us. And so in order to do that, we're going to look this morning at Romans chapter 8. Romans is a very interesting book. In fact, if you've never read through the New Testament, there are a lot of good places to start. You could probably read through one of the Gospels, but Romans would be a great book for you to read through because Paul is just kind of filled Romans with the idea of Christ and the idea of salvation and kind of deep theological understanding. And Paul has done just a great job in the first seven chapters talking about Christ, faith in Christ, salvation in Christ alone. So because of all that Paul has said in Romans 1 through 7, basically, he's going to begin now Romans chapter 8 with this phrase. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. We have it on the screen as well. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation, right? Because of all Jesus has done, because of his sacrifice, because we find salvation in Christ alone, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And by the way, some of y'all need to be reminded of that. If you've given your heart and your mind to Christ, you've been forgiven of your sins, there's no longer condemnation. You understand that? It's not because of anything you've done. It's because of everything Christ has done. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free 
in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Let's stop there for a minute. And I really want to kind of answer this question this morning. How can we be led by the Spirit? For followers of Jesus Christ, how can we be led by the Spirit? How can the Spirit guide us? How can the Spirit direct us? How can the Spirit kind of give us purpose in life? How can we be led by the Spirit? And I think Paul gives us some truth in these verses to help us understand that. So the first truth I want you to see, if we're going to answer the question, how can we be led by the Holy Spirit, is this. Number one, we need to set our minds on the things of the Spirit. If you really want to be led by the Spirit, the first thing you ought to do is set your mind on the things of the Spirit. Now Paul in verses 5, 6, 7, and 8, three different verses there, four verses there, he uses the word the Spirit, or excuse me, he uses the phrase mind that is set on the Spirit five different times. Right, So you see it in verse 5. Let's just see it with our own eyes here. Look at the times in just these few verses. He uses the phrase, set their minds. For those who live, who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Now verse 6. 4-2, here it is again. Set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Verse 7. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Paul wants us to understand, listen, listen uh, one of the things that we ought to be doing, one of the ways in which we can be led by the Spirit, first of all, is to set our minds not on the things of the world, not on the things of the flesh, but instead on the things of the Lord. John Stott, who's a favorite author of mine, and I quote him pretty regularly, said it like this. He said, what we are governs how we think. How we think governs how we behave. And how we behave governs the outcome of our lives, death, or life. All right, Paul says, listen, if you, if you want to be serious about being led by the Spirit, you need to set your mind on the things of the Spirit. Now the question comes up, great, how do I do that? How do I set my mind on the things of the Spirit. One of the difficult things in the world we live in, especially in kind of the modern uh, culture that we're all involved in, is that we're so busy and we're so active and we're so impatient that we want a quick fix to everything. Like we want our movies to be downloaded now. We want the microwave to work now. We want to get through traffic now, right? We have this mindset that everything has to go quickly and we want a quick fix for everything. And the problem we discover when we begin to study Scripture is that our faith in Christ and our growth in Christ are not quick fixes. 
In other words, what we see scripturally is that we should spend a lifetime growing in our walk, growing in our faith, understanding who we are in Christ. So if you think you're going to have kind of this quick fix where everything is perfect and everything is operating according to plan and there's never going to be problems, you're missing the teaching of Scripture. Instead, what we see, it's not a quick sprint. It's a long race, right? It's like a marathon. It's like slow and steady wins the race. A little bit at a time, intentional, ongoing, regular growth in Christ. And so if you're going to talk about setting your mind on the things of the Spirit, it's a process that you need to walk through. And so I'm going to give you some things. I've got a few things here that are going to help you. Just some real simple strategies that will help you. If you're going to be serious about fixing your mind on the things of the Lord, fixing your mind on the things of the Spirit, what are things you can be doing in your life that will help you do that? We have them on the screen. The first one we find in Scripture is that you should renew your mind. That's what Paul teaches. I don't want you to look it up, but I want you to listen to Romans chapter 12. Paul says, I appeal to you, right? He's kind of begging us. Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Watch this. Do not be conformed to this world. In other words, don't do the things that the world's doing. Don't look like the world. Don't think like the world. Don't act like the world. Don't be conformed to the world. But instead, he says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You should have this process by which you renew your mind. You make it new. You put stuff in that's good, right? You renew it based on the things of the Lord. There's this constant ongoing process to intentionally think about the things of the Lord. There's an intentional ongoing process to think about the things of the Spirit, to think about His Word, to renew your mind on a regular basis. Here's the second thing that goes along with the first. You should be aware of what you are putting in. You should be aware of what you're putting in. 1 Corinthians 10:23. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Now, if you know me, you know I don't ever preach legalism. I don't ever say there's, you know, 10 things you have to do and check the box off or you're not a Christian. That's not how I think. I don't think that's biblical. And so I'm not going to stand here and say to you there's a checklist of what you can put in and what you can't put in. That's between you and the Lord. There's freedom in Christ. You need to understand that. Paul says that all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. Right? So you've got a choice as a believer what you're going to put in. In, in, in the world we live in with, with social media like it is and, and access to so many things on the Internet, we've got to be awfully careful what we allow in. Now, some people say, well, I can, I can look at that or read that or watch that movie or read that book and it doesn't really affect me. Well, you probably don't really know how it affects you. It, it may affect you in ways you don't even understand how it affects you, right? We, we, we taught our children and we still teach our children and you do as well. You know, good in, good out, bad in, good out, that same kind of idea. If you fill your mind with junk and bad stuff, bad things are going to come out. If you fill your mind with good things and, and wholesome things, Good things are going to come out. Same thing with our body. If you fill your body with a bunch of junk and eat a lot of bad stuff, bad things happen. If you fill it with good stuff, good things happen. We, we understand the drill, right? And yet I think far too many Christians kind of, kind of miss this idea of what they're putting in really does matter. 
Meaning, I'm not legalistic. I'm not going to tell you what you can or cannot do or look at or not look at. That's between you and the Lord. I just think we ought to be aware of it. If we're going to set our mind on the things of Christ, maybe a good question every time we're about to partake of something, every time we're about to put something in is to ask the question, does this honor Christ? Does this honor the Lord? Does this help me when I watch this or read this or click on this webpage? Does this help me think about and set my mind on the things of Christ? Or is this going to lead me to think about and set my mind on the things of the world? One of the best things you can do, I think, of inputting good things into your body is to memorize Scripture. This John 1-8 thing is amazing for our church because if you're like me, I've been working through this and it just kind of randomly out of the blue will pop into my head. I'm just driving down the road and I think, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God and the Word, because I filled my mind with it. I've been thinking a lot about it so it just automatically, naturally comes out. Be careful what we put in. Here, here's the third thing. If you want to kind of set your mind on the things of Christ, you need to set your mind on things above. Set your mind on things above. You ought to actively and regularly think about the things of the Lord, not the things of the world. Because if you're like me, the world has got a very strong pull, very strong draw. And there's lots of things about the world that we probably like and want to partake in and would like to be a part of. And if we're not careful, we get kind of sucked into that. And before we even know it, we're kind of living in it. We've set ourselves away from the things of Christ. And so we need to, on a regular basis, set your mind on things above. Not focus on the things of the world. Focus on the things of Christ. Because we all know kind of the the cold, hard reality. We're all one day going to die. We know that, right? But we also clearly understand, we've been to enough funerals to understand, we're not taking anything with us. So all the things we amass on this earth are going to stay on this earth. And the things we amass in heaven by trusting the Lord, trusting and following Him in all things, the things that we build in heaven are going to remain in heaven. And so if we're going to be serious about letting the Spirit work and lead us in this life, we ought to be focusing more on the things above. And then fourthly, we need to surround ourselves with other believers that are serious about their faith. And one of the best things you can do if you're interested in allowing the Spirit to lead you is surround yourself with people that are allowing the Spirit to lead them. Did you know that? If you want to be a serious follower of Christ, one of the best things you can do is to hang around with other serious followers of Christ. I think so many people oftentimes think, well, I'm going to hang around those people on Sunday morning and in Sunday school and during worship, and then that's it, right? You don't see them again throughout the week. I would encourage you, man, if you really want to grow in your faith and really want to grow in your walk, surround yourself with other people that are serious about their faith. And so how do we follow the the Lord? How do we allow the Spirit to work in our life? How are we led by the Spirit? We set our minds on the things of the Spirit. Now look at Romans chapter 8 again. Let's jump back into this passage. Verse 9, we're going to see another truth here. Paul says in Romans 8, 9, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. He's talking to the believers here. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, so these are followers of Jesus, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. 
you. So how can we be led by the Spirit? The first is the idea of the renewal of the mind, focusing on the things of the Lord. Here's the second thing. We should demonstrate the life that we have in Christ. If you want to be led by the Spirit, you should demonstrate the life that you have in Christ. You should, as a follower of Jesus, if you're going to be led by the Spirit, you should live and exude joy and peace and hope every place that you go. You should walk into work tomorrow morning or Tuesday if you're off tomorrow, whatever. You should walk into school on Wednesday or whatever next day is you go to school. And you should just ooze hope (laughs) and peace. And you should bring life. Right? You, you, can, you can categorize people, and this is a very general and, and probably even an unfair categorization, whatever. You put them in two different piles, whatever. Pile A, whatever. They either give life, right? We know those kind of people, or they take life away. Right? There, there are people that they walk into a room and they just give life, and they're excited and joyful, and you want to be around. And then there are other people that just feels like they suck all the life out of the room, Right? You don't want to be that person. You, you want to demonstrate what Christ, Christ has done to you. You want to demonstrate this idea of life. Look at Romans 6, verse 8. Romans 8, verse 6. Romans 8, 6. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. You see that? It's kind of this idea is I, I'm going to set my mind first. That's the first step here. I'm going to set my mind on the things of the Lord. I'm going to set my mind on the things of the Spirit. That's going to lead me now to this place of life and peace. Like we talk with our kids a lot, and I'm sure you talk with your kids a lot about the idea of attitude and how attitude matters. There's a lot of things you can't control in your life, but you can absolutely control your attitude. And when you have a positive attitude and a good attitude, other people notice it. And when you've got a bad attitude... (laughs) negative attitude, other people notice it. And it really does, I believe, kind of drive the direction of your life. It's like this with Christ. Like If we trust him, if we follow him, if we've set our mind on the things of the spirit, he brings us life and he brings us peace and other people see it and notice it and it changes the way they think. And sometimes it'll change the way they live. It's interesting to me that Paul, in the first 17 verses of Romans chapter 8, uses the word live or life nine different times. He uses it nine different times because he wants us to understand as believers, the Spirit indwells us, lives within us, and brings us life. And so I thought, you know, let's just kind of work through this just for a few minutes. I want to point out to you within this text specifically how the Bible brings us, how the Word of God brings us life, how the Spirit defines life and shows us life and shows us peace. And so you can kind of write these down if you want to as we go, but I want you to see them and understand them through this text. So in verse 1 of Romans chapter 8, Paul says, listen, the Spirit gives us life because we are free from condemnation. That's what Paul says. Romans 8, 1. If you're trying to memorize scripture about your past and you're, you're upset about maybe sin you once lived and you're not certain that the Lord is at work in your life, maybe because of who you used to be, Romans 8, 1 is great. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Man, that, that alone ought to bring you life. The fact that all that junk all that nastiness, all that baggage, all the mess of whatever used to happen. Because of Christ, you're not condemned for that. Do you understand that? Now watch. It's not because of anything you've done. 
It's not because you're good enough or smart enough or said enough nice things to people. It's all because of Jesus. Because Jesus took your place. And because he took your place, you're no longer condemned. And that, that leads us to kind of the second thing in Romans 8 2. Because you're not condemned, you are set free from sin and death. That's what the Spirit brings to you. Paul says, For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Right? We, we should walk into a room understanding that we're not condemned, <laughs> understanding that the Lord, because of Christ's sacrifice, has set us free from death and from sin. That ought to alone give us a joy and a hope and a love for other people. Why would we not want to share that? Why would we not want to live that? Here's the third thing. We can walk according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. That's what Paul says. We set our minds on the things of Christ. When we live out the life that he's called us to live out, we can walk according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. The Bible tells us also that we can, in fact, it's not impossible, we can, in fact, set our minds on the things of the Spirit. We can do that. It's kind of this idea of a new way of thinking, a new way of acting, a new way of making decisions. Now think about this. If we're serious about the idea of not being condemned, if we believe that's true and we're trying to live it, and we believe that we're no longer slaves to sin, and we believe that we can focus our energies and our thoughts and our, our actions on the things of the Lord, then that, that allows people to go through difficult times rejoicing, Right? Because we understand that God has a purpose, God has a plan. That, that allows people to love even those people that hate us. It, it allows us to step outside of our own desires and instead follow the will of the Lord in our lives, even when it's not easy, even when it's difficult. And, and then the, kind of the last one I want to finish up here before we kind of go to this final point in this scripture. If we're going to be alive in the Spirit, we're going to set our, our, our hearts and our, our minds, especially our thinking on the things of Christ, then we can sense God's presence in our life when we do that. I want you to listen to Romans 8.16. The Bible says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. You see that? Like when we're following Christ and we're setting our mind on the things of the Spirit and we're demonstrating His love and His power, the Bible tells us that the Spirit Himself will bear witness with our spirit that we're children of God. Now, I want to be careful how I say this because there's different opinions and you can kind of uh, follow rabbit trails if you're not careful and, and really kind of deviate, I think, away from what the Scripture actually teaches. But I would say to you very clearly, there are moments in all of our lives where we are led by the Spirit to do very specific things. I don't know what that looks like for you. I don't, I don't know how the Lord has worked in your life, but I, I got a feeling if I walked around the room and asked every person in here, you could tell me at some point there was a moment in my life where I just sensed the power of the Spirit. I knew the Spirit was calling me to do something, and either I did it in obedience and God did great things, or I never did it and I was disobedient. I had a lady after the 8.30 service come down and tell me the exact story. She said, here's how the Lord spoke to me very clearly. And the neat thing about how the Lord's speaking to her is it was a process of years. That's what she told me. It wasn't like this, just all of a sudden, the Lord kind of gave her all this information. It was a process of several years where she struggled through hearing the voice of the Lord, knowing that was the Lord calling her, fearful about obeying the Lord. And eventually when she came to this point of trusting the Lord and believing this really was the Lord speaking to her and doing something about it, the Lord opened these doors for her and amazing things have begun to happen. It's incredible. I'll never forget the first time we went to Guatemala, and this has been... Eight years ago now, maybe nine years ago. 
I went down there to, to do some teaching, and I told the, the guy that I was with, Gary Udy, that if, if, as long as you'll let me kind of go find a, a place of ministry for our church to do mission work, then I'll come down and teach. And so I, he let me, and so we set out from Guatemala City and drove for many hours. And I'll never forget when we drove into San Juan Moca, which is the village we go to now. I'd never heard of it, never been to it. It's in the middle. Those of you that have never been or never seen pictures, it's in the middle of the jungle. And that's not an exaggeration. It's many, many miles from any civilization. It took us a long time to get there. The roads are bad. They're bumpy, and you're just kind of the canopy of the jungle, and you pull into this place. And I'll never forget getting out of that, that truck we were in, standing on that dirt, seeing the church there, the church there right to the left. Many of you understand exactly what I'm talking about. Standing there and just clearly sensing the presence of the Lord. You say, how do you know? I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to define that. I don't know how to put a finger on that. I can't give you the three things that happened first. I, I don't know. I just know that his spirit and my spirit were together. I just clearly remember that. And I just think, man, what, what, if, what if my life could be defined by that always? Instead of us all, and I'm right here with you, by the way, instead of us all just kind of having these these moments in our life where God did these great things, what if it was more of kind of an ongoing deal for us? What if it was a regular deal we'd be led by the Spirit? And here's, here's the, the problem, I think. I think that we have, have so uh, cluttered our lives with things. There's so many other things that we uh, are trying to do and accomplish that that still, small voice of the Lord that's trying to lead us gets drowned out in all the noise. And I think sometimes when we set those things aside and are, are serious about listening, he leads us and he guides us and we sense his presence in our life. Now I need to finish this up. Look at Romans 8 again. One more thing here. This one's a little difficult. We're, we're going to follow the Spirit by setting our mind on the things of the Spirit. We're going to follow the Spirit by demonstrating the life, the joy and the peace and the love. And then we're going to allow the Spirit to speak to us in those moments. And then the third thing, look at Romans 8, verse 12. So then, brothers, right, because of all this, so we are debtors, right? We have something we owe. Not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Here's the third thing. If we're going to be led by the Spirit, our minds and our thoughts have to be set on the Spirit. Our actions need to follow the leadership of the Spirit. And then truth number three, we need to put to death the things of the flesh. If you're going to be serious about following the Lord and being led by the Spirit, you need to put to death the things of the flesh. You're like, Adam, those are harsh words. Why do you have to say it like that? Because Paul says it like that. Romans chapter 8, verse 13. I want you to see it. Pull it up. Romans 8, 13. Romans 8.13 says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit, here's the wording, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. 
you're serious about following Christ, if you're serious about setting your mind on the things of the Lord and allowing the Spirit to lead you, you've got to put to death the desires of the flesh. Now here's what's interesting about this. One writer explained it like this. He says, there's no passivity being suggested here. Only active engagement in the fight. This means killing them off, getting rid of them together. Watch this. But the tense, this is in the original language, the tense which indicates a continuing activity is not something that we do once for all and then are done with it. It's a daily duty. This idea of killing the flesh, killing the desires of the flesh, taking up our cross, denying ourselves is an ongoing, regular activity that does not happen automatically. I think, especially in the world we live in, and we're all guilty of doing it, it's very easy for us to take the sin of our life and either minimize it or justify it or ignore it. Paul says, it's just real clear, it's right here. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Paul says, listen, it's a pretty simple plan here. Following the teaching of the Spirit following the leadership of the Spirit. It's simple to understand. It's sometimes very difficult to do. And so I want to finish with a challenge again. I want you to go and close up your Bibles, close up your notes. Our, our worship team is getting prepared to come out here to lead us. I want you all to kind of just set everything down for a second, settle back in, and I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. I just want you to ponder, and I hope this leads you to a place maybe of, of, of prayer or of action. But just kind of just, just settle in. Here are the questions. The first one is, this is between you and the Lord. I can't answer this for you. You have to answer this in your heart. How serious are you about following the Spirit in your life? Are you going to let the Spirit lead you? Are you going to let the Lord lead you? How serious are you about that? Only you can answer that. You, you, can, you can play around with it if you want to for your whole life and never really accomplish anything for the Lord. Or you can get serious about following Christ. You can get serious about letting his spirit lead you and guide you and direct you. So, so how serious are you? How willing are you to let the spirit lead? And then here's the second question. What are you willing to do about it? You say, I'm serious. I want the spirit to lead me and guide me. I want to follow Christ. I want to set my mind on the things of the spirit and, and live out his love and, and hear the Holy Spirit guide me and direct me. I want to put to death the things of the flesh and instead live with the things of the spirit in mind. What are you going to do about that? Like what actual steps are you going to take to allow those things to happen in your life? Father, we, Father, we thank you for the opportunity just to, just to study your word, to hear from you, to be challenged by the power of the Spirit. Lord, I, I pray that these questions about our, our seriousness and our walk would just kind of resonate in our minds and our hearts this week a little bit. I pray we'd be willing to make changes, to move things around if necessary in order to follow you. And then, Father, I pray as we set our minds on the things of Christ and we try to live out your teachings in our life, I pray that we would then begin to hear from the Holy Spirit, Lord, direction and movement and a plan for our life. And then I pray we'd be obedient and do great things for you. Father, we love you and we serve you. We want to do incredible things for your kingdom. Open up our eyes to your truth give you the praise and the honor and the glory for everything that you do. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. 
Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.